Welcome to the Porsche Club Insider, your one stop for all things Porsche and PCA. Here's your host, Vu Gwynn, and the Insider Crew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 98. The crew here braved the snow and the low temperatures. And uh, we are still here at PCA headquarters around the table. I have, of course, Manny Alman, Damon Lowney. We have Robert Forsyth at the controls. I'm back to the podcast, but then uh, maybe in a little bit different capacity. We have the owner of Group C Cur Curation, and we'll get into that in a minute. Casey, welcome back. Hey, thanks, guys. Happy to be here. All right. So let's, uh, we've got. You may want to clarify. Yeah. Uh, for the northerners who are going to laugh at us when we say we got <laughs> four inches of snow and we're acting like we're we just made it through a blizzard. Uh, the federal government was closed, schools were closed. I mean, it was a big ordeal hey, to get a heavy rain five, was shut down the federal government around five here. five inches of snow, and like we were in shock here. Yeah, and then it got cold, and now it's like now it's all ice, icy. So yeah, it's really icy. <laughs> all right, so uh. Let's run through you. You put together a pretty hefty agenda here, Mr. Manny. So um, let's quickly touch upon what we did last week. You go first. Uh, I didn't do a whole lot other than cars and coffee. And uh, well, we got to see your little um, Honda Moto. Moto be, Compacto. Be the uh, star of the show since there wasn't a whole lot of cars <laughs> and cars and coffee. And the weather wasn't that bad. But uh, yeah, at one point, everyone who showed up. Oh, We're sitting there staring at, the, oh, at so this cool. little Moto Compacto, which is electric, not gas. Mm -hmm. Will had a good time on it. Say Will, but uh, the, what confused stolen. people was because <laughs> you put Porsche support vehicles so you could leave it here in the office uh, since you run out of space in your house. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but people were coming up to me saying, Porsche makes that little thing? And I had to say, no, it's a Honda. It's he a just Honda. sucked a sticker on it. It's not a, <laughs> that is not really a Porsche. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so that is a Honda. Uh, there is a probably wait list at your Honda dealer if you want to go buy it. So along with your GT3 allocation wait oh, list, boy. you can be waiting for this uh, little, um, what's it called, Moto Compacto? Moto Compacto. My buddy uh, wanted one, and uh, right now they are expecting it end of February for the next round. So what we did do later that day was we had our Chesapeake Region after holiday party, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Bob Gutier and I host this uh, event. It's uh, basically uh, an excuse for us to get together and play Yankee Swap. And it's been going on for 30 years, I think. And I keep on telling them, if you want to replace us, you should replace us. There's no hard feel. But they keep on asking us to come back to run this uh, Yankee Swap where you bring a uh, Porsche-themed gift and people are, it's like the Hunger Games in that room. No one's afraid of stealing stuff, and they conspire. And uh, fortunately, there were no hard feelings. There was a lot of great gifts at the um, event, a lot of uh, cool posters and prints. And some of the, one of the posters was a sign, a Rensport uh, 7 poster that wasn't open till almost the end. Wow. It sat, because it wasn't framed, it was rolled up. So all the other posters were framed, so that's what people are opening up. This one's uh, this one was actually opened up by the person who brought it, oh. and she was like, "This has to get into the mix before the end." And so uh, um, that I think would have got sold in a lot. But there was um, the Peterson Museum print that was uh, their their event that's going on um, that was framed. Um, I think uh, the Pittsburgh Grand Prix that mm -hmm. event uh, they had brought the uh, tickets. So anyway, seventy people sold out. It was a uh, and a new venue this year. No, the same venue they used. Uh, oh, was before. it? Okay, yeah. Yep, they can only, it's a restaurant, uh, and so they can only uh, fit so many people in between the two rooms. Um, but 
Yeah, as you can see, a lot of smiling people. Alcohol does that. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't an open bar, though. How about you, Damon? Well, um, I didn't do a whole ton of car stuff, but, um, you know, a little bit of driving. So my house is a little more empty. No cat in there anymore. Oh. So, uh, you know, the my uh, my. So can I say it? Can I just say and she got the cat? She got the cat. Okay. Well, it was for her in the first place. <laughs> oh, okay. so, gotcha. Um, so that was kind of sad to see that go. But now I don't have to worry about I'm I'm finding like I can I don't have to close. I can leave a door open when I go out to get stuff in the you know the car. I don't have to close the door. I can put the toilet seat all the way down so they don't jump in and drink it. Oh my god! Like it's yeah. It's, so I'm guessing you're not going to get another one. I'm probably not. Yeah, I, I, I love cats, but when you think about it, it's, it's, a like, it's a responsibility. They are the least maintenance animal around. Yeah, yeah, they are. But they, they are. get into stuff. Oh my god! And they gosh. you know they they tore up one of my that were actually more than one piece of furniture. Yeah, you know it's just. Don't need a cat. But uh, so no car stuff. Um, I will say when it snowed and I didn't have any salt, but I figured I'd go get some in case it, you know, got really cold. and The, the snow got hard and icy and, um, you know, 32 bucks and you, you got, I have a long driveway and it's just like you're sprinkling money onto your, your driveway. <laughs> yeah. You use it once and then it's done, yeah. you know, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you kind of need it so you don't slip and slide. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, so I have a question for you all. Um, when s- snow piles up on your car, you know, of course, my wife's like, you know, just get Jonah and you guys should go out and, uh, you know, clear the snow off the car. Are you very specific on how you remove the snow from your car? The Z3? No, well, first of all, the Porsches are all garage, so I don't have to remove any snow off the Porsches. The Z3 has crappy paint, crappy top, so I, I use a broom. <laughs> I, get, I get my gloves, my snowboard gloves. That's and... my biggest fear. My biggest fear <laughs> is if I don't supervise my kids, that they'll take their gloves or they'll take the brush with the hard nylon bristles and just go to town and not just kind of, you know, lightly push off the snow and they'll dig into the paint but if you don't have one of these this is one of my favorite tools it's called a snow broom it's actually like a foam piece and you just lightly just push. don't get yeah, it caught on your rear wiper your yeah rear yeah, rear exactly. wiper. yeah you know and use at the dealership yeah, yeah that's sure. what i love so that's my favorite tool and i you use that just on the glass or the body work the body work too but but i don't like dig into it like i just get the top layer i use a broom Oh gosh! Oh my gosh! See, honestly, some, some Gore-Tex yeah. gloves with some you no. know, leather on the palm like that. I just, fine. I just, I can see the, the <laughs> all scratches the on the clear are excused when it's snow. It uh, no doesn't scratch when there's snow on it. Oh no! Yeah, exactly. No. All right. So let's uh, let's see. We got. Uh, oh, I um, I actually did uh, a cool kind of a cool photo. You know how I'm in search for a three five six. I was at uh, RBS Garage with Bogdan doing some um, social media stuff with him, and there was a. 356 being restored and uh, I got to get my little pose there and no that is not my car but still cool nonetheless to be able to take that photo did you get stuck uh you know what the thing is going through there so sounds simple enough it's just pop your head through but there were they were doing some like tin work in there and uh, he's like be careful don't scratch yourself and because of my stint I'm on blood thinner so it's like, yeah, it's, I'm like, well, it was almost like a life <laughs> life or death thing getting through that. Well, it's not going to come out like an arterial cut or anything. What do you? <laughs> I was worried. I'm like, I was a blood so, at one point I'm so too. worried about getting a cut. Um, so I kind of snaked my way up and uh, took the photo. Anyways. All right. Uh, let's get into, oh, this is, um, this is one that's uh, very near and dear to your heart, Casey. And I know Jonathan Sieber and the crew 
worked very hard with us, and this is the Porsche Restoration Challenge. In fact, Porsche Silvia Spring, in part of your efforts, you guys were Area East champions. We were. So the last time I was on here, um, we had kind of wrapped things up. We're very close to wrapping things up, and then we're heading to Chicago. Um, so Chicago went great. Um, I was super nervous, like I always am. It's uh, some, one of my better traits. Uh, maybe makes me give me a little bit of better attention to detail, but my wife was there, remarkably supportive. Um, my good buddy and our uh, Goldmeister technician uh, right there, you see Yuri Gora. At, uh, he's a shop foreman at Porsche Silver Spring. We, uh, well, that's a rough picture of me. That's stressed out Casey, but that's, uh, <laughs> that was us, um, winning, uh, area East individualization champion, uh, which was pretty rad. And then we were able to get the car to go to Rensport, which I saw ex everybody except for, uh, Vu, of course, but I saw Damon and, uh, Bogdan a bunch of times and Manny a bunch of times. We did really great there. Um, uh, we did not win. Um, uh, from what I was told, there was a handful of points in between us and the uh, the group that um, the group that won our uh, our segment there. But it was a tremendous experience. Um, I got to meet some really amazing people. Um, the guy that uh, we based the car on, um, I got to meet him. I got to meet Mark Weber. I got to meet Patrick Long. The some of the Porsche family, the Roof family. I mean, it was just a tremendous experience. I uh, went out there with my good buddy, Steve Postal, who runs um, Porsche Hunt Valley up here, and my uh, buddy, Joe Driscoll, that works for Porsche Cars North America, and Yuri as well went with me out there. You can see us there uh, right by, what's that, turn two. Um, we had a great time, and the car really fit in. Um, unfortunately, there were no other uh, Turbo Cups uh, present, but uh, the guys from Dosport were there, Ray Schaefer was there, all the people that I used as motivation, and Bob Miller as well, um, to really learn a lot about the 944 Turbo Cup, and uh, it was a great uh, ending to that, and um, yeah. Well, um, speaking of ending, that's kind of a close to... That's a segue. Uh, a, a well, chapter in your life, right? And what a way to close that chapter, and you're on to the next. So... Um, uh, October 17th was my last day as being a Porsche brand ambassador uh, in an official capacity. I started uh, in college working as a uh, kind of a lot technician porter uh, guy at a Porsche dealership in um, Ohio and uh, worked a little bit uh, as an audio engineer. And then... Say for uh, my favorite channel, right? In National Public Radio. <laughs> and then, uh, in fall 2006, I answered a Craigslist, Craigslist ad and worked uh, as a salesperson at um, then Tischer Porsche. And then Tischer Porsche became Porsche Silver Spring. And I was there until my last day was uh, October 17th of uh, 2023, uh, almost 17 years to the day. Wow. Uh, and it was a... a I couldn't believe it when I heard it. Yeah, it was a it was a great experience. Um, uh, I was dealing with some health issues. I've got some family health issues that I'm working through as well. Um, but in the end, um, I really have a huge passion for historic vehicles. As I've clearly, I mean, as a sales manager uh, managing a restoration project at a Porsche dealership, those two things don't really coincide. But my passion really shows through. Um, so I created uh, a new endeavor for myself. Uh, moving forward, um, that's a bit of a startup, and uh, I hope to see it uh, work out. Nice. So tell us, tell us a little bit about Group C. So uh, Group C curation. Uh, Group C is um, a couple of things. Of course, my name is Casey, so it starts with the letter C. Group C is also my 
favorite era of motorsport. Um, so I spent a lot of time with the Group C cars and my buddy Malcolm with the 962 that won the mall. I got to see um, that there might be a picture uh, there somewhere, um, Robert, of me and the Dower 962 at Rensport that I made a sticker of and we sold a bunch of to earn money for our uh, a local uh, animal rescue. But basically it's, it's a couple fold. My the time that I spend uh, the most of my focus on is um, I manage a collection for uh, the Magden brothers who are local, who you guys are probably all familiar with. They also started a uh, very high-end bespoke car dealership. Um, so I uh, assist them with the day-to-day operations there. But the passions that I have are in historic vehicles and taking care of people's collections. So I assist them with their rather vast collection that ranges from anywhere between old Mini Coopers to brand new GT3 RSs. Um, uh, I also have another client that I've I've been afforded to drive some of the most amazing 911s, anywhere from 73 RSs to the other day I had clocked about 80 miles in a 2011 GT2 RS, um, a car that I'd never even driven before that moment. I, we uh, That was a funny story that I don't need to get into. I'll tell you guys later uh, about my time with that car back in 2011. But... Um, and I'm also managing a couple of restoration projects, um, one specifically with a customer uh, with some different restoration partners locally. Um, I'm working with Bob and Rich over at AtSpeed, mm-hmm. um, who might have been on here before. Yeah, but we know them well. They're great guys. And uh, rest- restoring a car is a big deal. Um, working to bring a client's um, vision to life is certainly a... Uh, when I did the restoration projects, it really brought out all of the different aspects that need to be handled and not necessarily by one group. So it's almost uh, finding people that you can trust to work with and then assembling all those people to deliver a final product is uh, something that I really enjoy. And I enjoy that process. I've always been a real process oriented person. So moving uh, into that world, um, it's been really rewarding. And of course, working with the Magnum Brothers and their uh, endeavors is bringing really cool cars to light. And we've got a bunch of really interesting Porsches that we're currently representing for sale. It's 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 uh, it's very different than working with Porsche, whom I loved for a very long time. Who knows? Maybe there'll be a day someday if Jonathan called me from Porsche Classic and said, hey, Casey, you want to help out a little bit? I'd say, yeah, probably. I'm probably well, you, 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 you have a unique skill set. You have unique experience and you have a great vast wealth of connections and i think for people that have collections or that you know focus their time on their business or whatever but their hobby side they're looking for someone that they can trust and make the right decisions for them to either curate cars restore their cars i mean you're the guy so congratulations to you i mean it's it's it's, it's hard to step away from something that you've been doing so long that you absolutely loved but there are priorities in your life and there are things that you want to do that maybe you're kind of cherry picking the fun stuff that you used to do when you were at Porsche Silver Spring. And now that's what you're going to focus on. Yeah. And um, I would, uh, I of course, have to give a huge shout out to my wife who has been remarkably supportive, um, leaving something uh, that was, you know, guaranteed income, pretty yeah. much guaranteed income for a very long time. And her support of me to make this transition. I couldn't have done it without. Yeah, I think at this table, except for Damon, we all have to thank our wives that they are extremely understanding of what we do. I told my wife once when I was racing, you know, I could be out there at bars and chasing women and (laughs) drinking. (laughs) No. And her response to me was, that would be a lot cheaper (laughs) than racing. (laughs) Yeah, right. No, and this this is, um, 
I talked the last time I was on here that I consume a lot of podcasts and uh, being on this podcast has been greatly motivational, but you guys motivated me. I'm actually starting a podcast with some friends of mine called Radio Delete. We record our first episode on Friday and uh, it's going to be fun because you guys have shown me that uh, you can not only practice, but you can do. So yeah. Yeah. Important. Good luck to you. you. Um, so we want to get into a question that Manny and I and people that call into the uh, office quite a bit. But before we get into that, I want to just remind everyone to please like, comment, and subscribe. We really appreciate your support. Um, any comments that you uh, place out on there, we certainly read them and we respond to them. When we see them, we want to remind you to take advantage of all of our email newsletters by going to PCA.org and check out eBreak News, Mart Fresh News, and Performance News. So the question that we often get, Casey, and the reason why we wanted you here, because now you're kind of like you've been in it, but you don't really have a stake in it. And you can kind of be more open to answering these questions because Porsches, let's face it, like one of the biggest fears of someone buying a Porsche has to do with what happens if something goes wrong. You buy a new car, you have a factory warranty, you know, for the most part, you don't sweat it, right? But let's say you want a used Porsche. What are our options there? Manny, I'll let you take it from there. Well, obviously, probably people listening to this have heard of CPO, uh, which is Porsche Certified Pre-Owned Program, which is a, a very nice program, one I recommend to people if they're uh, looking for a used Porsche. It's only available at uh, Porsche dealerships. Um, but one of the things I always tell them, and Casey, you may look at it differently, is I tell them to still get someone to look at that car just because it's cpo doesn't mean you can walk away from it and don't worry about anything because uh, so casey why isn't every car that a porsche dealer sells a cpo'd so there are a number of different reasons um traditionally the largest re reason is cost mm -hmm. um in addition to just adding the for just take a step back I have, I've never owned a certified pre-owned Porsche before, but I have represented thousands of them. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that I always explain to people is CPO really comes down to the amount of effort that is put into a car to verify it. Um, in order to certify a car, the car needs to have proven history. If the history cannot be proven, the car needs to be fully brought up uh, service-wise. Mm. Uh, for instance, um, uh, a car that I care for now um, that I sold uh, before was a 2018 GT2 RS. Okay, uh, It is one of the most expensive Porsches to service um, because all of the things that are um, that you need to exchange plugs all those sorts of things are behind all kinds of tubing behind turbochargers all those things it's it's remarkably labor intensive it's kind of the reverse of a gt3 in that regard um let's say you have a, a four-year-old gt2 rs um and according to everything that's stated four years um regardless of miles the um spark plugs need to be changed mm. it's very expensive service um thousands of dollars so you can effectively Buy a certified car um, that gives you this extra warranty. You can buy two years and add another one. But the reason why some Porsche dealerships do not certify cars is because if you have a 1,000-mile car, 
and it's four years in, they don't feel like spending the $4,000 and adding that to the cost of the vehicle in order to then resell it and make less profit. Oh. Um, so I'm of the mindset that if you can't prove a car has been serviced, it needs to be serviced. Um, the metallurgy of exchanging spark plugs and things heating up and things cooling, of course, they need to be pulled out. You last thing you would want is something to be fused. Uh, the other reason that a Porsche dealership wouldn't certify a car is because of age. Mm. Um, uh, a certified now keep in mind the knowledge that I have is based through October of last year. They always revisit things at the mm. beginning of the year, so this is from my experience then. But a car has to be 13 calendar years back to certify. So if a car has exceeded that, um, it cannot be certified. So at this point, you can go back to, you can certify a 2012 911 997 Turbo if you chose, mm. as long as it's within 13, um, 13, I guess, calendar years of when it was originally sold. Um, that would be something to point out. So back to your example with the GT2, it would be posted, let's say, on the website as a not certified certified if, car. So, so if if I were to be interested in that car, but I felt like I would only get it if it was certified, can I then negotiate with the dealership to say, hey, what would it cost to get that car to be certified? That's on a per dealer basis. Traditionally, when a vehicle is marketed from a my recollection, um, they want you to make the choice instantly. Is the car going to be certified or is it not going to be certified? Uh -huh. They don't like the ability to make that change. I think they, they want the dealership to make a cohesive decision at the beginning and not like, let's say, oh, it's certified, but I don't want to sell the car as certified. Can you give me a better deal on it if it's not certified? That's I don't not think they want to. They don't. They don't want to sign on the window, car window that says certified, non-certified price. Right. Oh, yeah. So I mean, oh, there, I it's it, there's a there's a document called a buyer's guide that is uh, a federal document that is required to be stuck to the window of a car being sold that says this is the warranty that is attached to this particular vehicle. And like, I'm not a lawyer. I don't. I mean, I do represent cars now that are not certified because mm -hmm. I'm not at a Porsche dealership, but it's important that that distinction is made early. And uh, that is something that okay. is required of a Porsche dealership. Hmm. Interesting. So are there things when the car comes to the dealership and they have to make that decision, are there things about a car you said talked about history, but are there other things that would disqualify a car from being CPO? Sure. Um, uh, cars that have been tuned. Um, cannot be certified. Uh -huh. um, cars that have any over revs over stage three um, cannot be certified. There are some caveats there where a certain amount of hours have to pass between the time that that ignition occurred. Uh, and then you could, some dealerships, if they're willing to do it, can um, work on a, uh, they can do a leak down and compression test to verify that there is no damage within the engine. Like I said, these might have changed, but this is from my recollection mm -hmm. of what was happening. When you say tuned, what, uh, what does that mean? Does that mean like a tuning the ECU or tune, like throwing on an exhaust? Uh, so a, a car cannot be, boy, I'm going <laughs> to step in something here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so just whatever you're comfortable with. So oh, well, you I'm, can't I'm, put an exhaust on. I I'm, know that. So a car cannot be sold like a thing that would often occur, um, which would also fail Maryland state inspection is like GT threes. They take off the center muffler in the mm -hmm. back in order to Maryland state inspect a car. All of the 
it can be an aftermarket exhaust system for Maryland state inspection, but it has to retain all of the cans that were there originally. Mm. If you are excluding mm. a can like that center rear muffler, that cannot pass Maryland state inspection. So that you can change things, but like going in, like changing the tune of the engine, you know, uh, but like an exhaust of it meets Maryland, for example. But uh, uh, an aftermarket exhaust would not pass yeah. a certified pre-owned inspection. But if you took that off and put it back on, but you hadn't changed like the engine, like... that is So the car has to be as it left the factory. So return to stock. Yeah, gotcha. so... So um, return it to stock. Yeah, yeah the car, the, a car would need to be sold as a stock vehicle. There are some some small things that I don't have the CPO guidelines in front of me that can pass, but most of it mm-hmm. is aesthetic. Mm. It's nothing that has to do with the actual, f- because remember when you're buying a certified pre-owned car, Porsche themselves, not an aftermarket warranty company that is underwriting is guaranteeing the car. Mm-hmm. So of course, if something is uh, a variable that mm-hmm. was not instituted from the factory, they're not going to back it yeah. up. The, the reason I ask is because I would be more, concern for example if somebody you know took a, a three liter carrera you know crank the boost up to 30 psi and then put it back you know when they took it back to the porsche dealership True. then if they had just put an exhaust on but then put the stock one back well, that's on. what they're going to so, do so for that example. so that is there are ways that a dealership can look into a car's history to see how it was flashed and look mm-hmm. at different parameters to see mm-hmm. if that has occurred i do know that there are ways um perhaps asking mike would be a, a different mm-hmm. person to ask regarding um other things that could occur mm-hmm. i've driven tune cars i've driven stock cars um they're they're they both uh, are different in the regard that they they're hap- they work better for different audiences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of a stock car guy. Yeah. I do like the fact that Porsche has done things correct, um, but that's not. I'm not faulting people for making decisions and changing their cars. I have driven really amazing. I've driven Mike's turbocharged Caymans with 600 wheel horsepower that have been an absolute riot. It's just for me. I have different. Um, I have different yeah. requirements. So, what do, it, it, so they have a hunt, and this is right on the web. So it's not and nothing secret. They have a hundred and eleven point checklist yeah, it's that very you thorough. have to go through. Uh, but just like everything in life, it's very subjective. And I say subjective because uh, not every dealer is holding it to the same um, level, maybe or standard. Um, and I get this a lot here at uh, PCA because we have people that buy CPO cars, and they will complain because they say, uh, "It just happened last week." Uh, one dealer said uh, they wouldn't have CPO that car. Because it, uh, and he started listing all the things that were out of spec. And he said, How can this one dealer do it? And I said, Well, it's something you got to take it with PCNA then, because that dealer has the answer to PCNA of why did they CPO this car if the tires were out of spec, if the brake pads were out of spec. Yeah, um, consumables have to yeah. be 50% or better. And mm-hmm. when I, uh, when they would hand me my, when Yuri or Marcus or the guys at the dealership would hand me the sheet, they would say, you know, this is this. But the last thing that you would want is for a car that you certified to go to another dealership. And for exactly what Manny just said, um, they would say, well, this car shouldn't have passed with these tires. We would see cars that would come in that I'd be like, I don't understand how this is possible. Um, my team, I mean, my team saw me as certainly, uh, we, how do I phrase this? We definitely wanted to be a standard mm-hmm. at Porsche Silver Spring when I worked there. And it was super important with Linda directing the service department and my technicians that I work with. They wanted to make sure that if a car ever left us, that it would be to a, a certain caliber. I had seen cars that come from other dealerships that did not meet that. Um, so 
when you, I think one of our talking points today is should you have a car looked at by an independent or by another Porsche dealership? If it makes you comfortable, it's absolutely fine. If you're more, if you're more so worried about things like whether or not the car will be covered by a warranty if it breaks, as long as the certified pre-owned documentation is signed correctly, the that'll be conveyed through Porsche. So that that's not an issue. But I often recommend people get second opinions on things, and that also, if someone restricts you from allowing the car to have a different inspection done, red flag. Perhaps you should <laughs> reconsider that yeah. or maybe speak to somebody else at that establishment to make sure that you are um, doing the right thing. I've had the, the cars that I'm representing now, I've had people ask me to have pre-purchase inspections done. If I can't tell somebody, yes, uh, I believe that this is a good idea, um, I'd be happy for, I mean, I wouldn't want to sell them that car. Yeah. You know, it's it's very important that you're able to find a somebody that's representing a car that will stand behind that product. Yeah. And it might be something, as Manny said, a lot of the checklist is subjective. And if you're a super picky person and let's say um, wheels being refinished, right? Like it would pass a CPO if it had curb damage and they fixed it. But if you're a super picky person and you noticed when you got the car that the wheel was a shade different from the others or the yeah, way they blended it particular on that. Yeah. So like, yeah. like you got to be take the call. Like, would it be covered under warranty if that wheel had a leak? Absolutely. But would it drive you crazy if the one wheel didn't match the other three? But like, that would hopefully be pretty evident. What isn't so evident though, is that uh paint oh, uh, yeah. paint. I believe when I read it, it was only the bumpers are allowed to be repainted. If any of the other part of the car has been repainted, I don't think they uh, allow it to be CPO'd. At least, at least of what I remember uh, reading. the. Um... So a long time ago, um, you were allowed to have two metal panels um, repainted. That was the, my two or three metal panels that could be repainted. Uh, that's no longer the case. Yeah. So, mm. so you, oh, I apologize. Yeah. Um, the car, t to my rec, I wish I had it sitting in front of me, but uh, I don't believe that repainting of metal panels anymore has anything to do with excluding a car from CPO. Because... Uh, uh, I, I know someone who had a GT3, and he was under the impression that it was all original paint. And uh, he didn't find out until he went to have it ceramic coated. And any good ceramic coating is going to places going to mica. You know, look how deep exactly. the paint yep. is. Yep. And they noticed right away that the entire right side of the car had been repainted. Hmm. It was much thicker than the other side of the car. Mm. But in, in the, there are times that I have received Porsches that, um, perhaps some effect, some damage had occurred on a vehicle uh, that the factory actually repainted a portion of the car, be it a bumper, be it a fender. Mm. Let's say cars that were on a boat that received a scratch. Yep. Those things happen. So I think that is part of the reason why they no longer uh, work. Being that mm. Porsche painted it, it's an extension of the factory. Therefore, it's still original paint. And, and that would not show up on a Carfax. That wouldn't show up anywhere. That's correct. Yeah. Um, but that's still something that if I'm spending... Two hundred thousand, or even a hundred thousand, on a nine eleven, and I'm in my mind thinking I'm getting basically a new car. I think you would want to know. But the point being, um, have someone take a look at it, uh, even if it's like bringing a or buy paint a paint meter. gauge. You yeah, can buy paint, a paint, paint gauge on here. Amazon anywhere from. I've got a fifty dollar one that I have personally, and I've got a thousand dollar one at work that um, is is as good as they. And I don't think the dealer is trying to be disingenuous. Uh, they may look at the paint and say this looks great. Um, I don't know if they, they, they do paint depth on all of them or like Casey said, they, I do. you know, they, it yeah. can change. 
Um, and the, the guy who had the GT3 didn't know until he went to get it ceramic coated. And they told him, you know, oh, by the way, I guess, you know, uh, it's uh, been painted on one side. Um, yeah, so and just if, uh, if, keep that in mind to anyone who's looking. I love CPO cars. I, like I said in the beginning, I recommend them to everyone because they give you such peace of mind uh, when you buy the car for, is it two years? Uh, so it's two years, and then you can purchase an additional year on top yeah, of so that, depending to three upon years how much time is that, left. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's not comprehensive in the sense that it's not going to do regular maintenance. It doesn't cover that, right? It covers um, – it covers – it's – really an extension of the factory mm-hmm. warranty excluding things like um, consumables it won't cover tires it won't cover brake pads but there it is not as comprehensive as the original factory warranty there are some trim items uh, that are not covered um, but anything that really has to do with safety or uh, functional lubrication of the vehicle is covered under the cpo warranty. yeah something catastrophic how you don't have to worry. And it's, it's uh, CPO is also uh, zero deductible, yeah, which nice. is also good. It's it's I've owned uh, Audis that are certified. I've owned other cars that are certified. Porsches is by far the best and most comprehensive used I car. I think they give you a Porsche on loaner too, don't they? Yeah, uh, I mean that's based on the yeah. dealership, but that's always the goal is to give out a loaner car. Can you share share? So let's say I'm buying a car that might be a 2022 that still has a balance of the factory warranty. But it's also CPO. Like, how does that sure. match up? So it basically um, it goes. Um, it would add two years onto the factory warranty. So effectively six years from the original in-service date of the car. And also something that goes with Porsche is it's unlimited miles. So That's you could nice. drive the car a million miles in six years, and it would be covered. And it's transferable. It is transferable. And I always yeah. tell people when they're buying a newer car, aisle and they're buying it from a non-dealer. I still tell them, hey, take the serial number and call up the dealer. Just ask them to run it through because I can't tell you many people that have done that and they come to find out the car had a CPO warranty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, three months left, six months left, they weren't aware of it that they could uh, still utilize. So technically, when a car is sold through a non-Porsche dealership, um, the CPO warranty is to, supposed to go away. But if it oh, really? is being sold from customer to customer, it does stick. Oh, okay. um, I can't speak to whether or not somebody's actually auditing to remove CPO warranties because I have seen the... Yeah, this was bought from an Audi dealer. and I, um, So I do understand yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. I'm just saying that um, according to the guidelines that I recall, if the vehicle is sold from uh, through a non-Porsche dealership, that warranty is not to convey. So here's a question uh, for people who might be thinking of CPO not as a buyer, but as a seller. So um, I guess a scenario that, that maybe would illustrate this. What if you had that 2012 997 Turbo S? You bought it new. It's never been CPO. Um, maybe it hasn't act, even been maintained by the dealer the past five years, but you take it to somebody like, you know, Bob Miller or, you know, TPC. Um when you're going to sell that, maybe you're considering a Porsche dealer and you want that car to be CPO because it'll bring more money, right? How does that CPO work in if you're a seller? So um, you can't. Uh, the car mm. has to be sold through a Porsche dealership to be certified um, as a mm. new cer- certified car, if you understand. So what if I'm you saying. bought it new and you're the original owner, but you haven't had it serviced at the Porsche dealer for its whole life, and now you're still the first owner. Well, I guess I guess technically it would cost you a lot of money, but you could sell it to the Porsche dealership. Mm-hmm. They could certify it, and then they could sell it back to you. They so get you'd their have cut. To, yeah. So you'd have to you'd have to pay for everything. 
you have to pay for the warranty. You'd have to pay for sales tax again, and uh, then you would get the car so back. So if you're if you're a seller, the dealer is so you're not, when you're selling a car um, that may be a CPO worthy, it still costs money to the dealership that would make it to to make it a CPO car. I. I've never been in that situation yeah. where somebody brought me a that car be really that they weird owned. And no, I've heard I've heard people it. wanted to do that, and I guess that leads us to the next topic is the aftermarket warranties. But yeah. people have said, um, you know, we're going to the dealer. The dealer's going to buy it back. They take their whatever percentage cut. They resell it to me, but now they certify it, so I get the uh, CPO warranty. It's basically almost pushing paper to a certain degree. Uh, but then I guess, uh, like I said, the next part of this discussion is the aftermarket warranties, whether that really makes sense because the dealer is going to want their cut from doing this resale and I mean, putting it under CPO. But, I mean, at the same time, you know, the costs traditionally incurred with CPO are the cost of the warranty, which is I'm not sure what it is now. But depending on the type of vehicle that it was, it differed in cost, the cost of the CPO inspection. And then the cost of any work that is required uh, to get it up to spec, to get up to spec, which yeah. is traditionally eclipses all of the other things by two or threefold. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily sure that that would be a viable option. Um, there are other, uh, if you want, it doesn't add a warranty, but there are these classic um, certificates that you can get through Porsche dealerships now. Porsche Classic Partners, the closest one to here is Porsche Mainline. My buddy Steve out at Gowden. And then um, he's in Las Vegas. But you could take your car to a Porsche um, classic dealer to have effectively what is a, a very elaborate CPO inspection done. There is no warranty mm -hmm. associated with it, but it does offer validation and verification of the, the exact of health. car you have. It like a CPO level sort of car. But, but it does. there's no warranty. There's involved, no warranty. But, it, but it's that level of inspection and then some because they do things mm -hmm. like there's people and that you probably would probably be great to have Jonathan or some or Taylor from the, the mm -hmm. classic program here. Mm -hmm. But that's a, a physical verification of the car. It was something that I was aspiring to be uh, when I was at Porsche Silver Spring. But of course, timing didn't work out. So the uh, uh, before it's you... called a Porsche classic technical certificate yep. it's a, is it's a, the one where they, it, they, yeah. you bring the car to the dealer. And yep. it's only and... a classic partner. So it, there's like a you can get a it used to be called a COA. Now it's a Porsche product specification sheet uh, which does not verify engine numbers but then there's the <clears throat> porsche classic yes. technical certificate which is the next level so That's if you like, do have uh, a if you do have a special car and you really want it's like the ferrari has class c if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. it's something like that but it's now something that porsche is offering the united states so, so for a more vintage vehicle of which 997 mm -hmm. is included. Yeah. If you want that verification, that's that. But it does not yeah. include any warranty. Yeah, I'm just thinking that it would be it would be cool for somebody who has maybe a car that, you know, is still within the CPO timeline, but mm -hmm. doesn't qualify for the reasons we were just talking about to show that hey, this is still like yeah. Porsche will officially say this is a, a great car. And that inspection and that certificate is sort of what that is. Yeah, well, it it is. Uh, but the the other thing is, I mean, like I said, it would be a whole lot of paperwork to physically mm -hmm. sell the car back, repay sales to taxes. Actually, get the CPO to, part of that. Yeah, it'd be, yeah. It'd, be a, it'd be remarkably. Uh, yeah. So as a seller, there's expensive. no yeah. nothing to look forward to there. So so we are pretty lucky here, um, you know, in Maryland that within a stone's throw, we have probably four or five dealers that mm -hmm. we could bring our cars to get serviced. And this question has come up before and I kind of understood, didn't understand why people wouldn't just bring it back to the dealer, but let's recognize that if you're in the middle of America and your closest dealer is four hours away, um, do you have to take your Porsche to the Porsche dealer to get 
like CPO coverage or work 100%. done. So you have to make that four hour trek yep. if you want to use the CPO. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. To my recollection, it's valid in both the United States and Canada, but it has to be done at a Porsche partner. The other question is, let's say someone, you know, the days of buying cars out of state now is pretty common mm-hmm. and you're buying a CPO car from, let's say, Chicago. Mm-hmm. And now I live in Maryland. When I bring my CPO Chicago car to Porsche of Silver Spring, does that car get looked at with the same, how do you say, um, do you treat it the same? Do you care that it was bought somewhere else? No, no, no. Okay. It's it's a. I mean, for a Porsche dealership, you look at. I mean, it's business. It's a new customer. You treat a customer well. You get referral business. You get mm. referral business in sales, service, parts. It's all about manifesting that relationship. So yeah. I. Just, so it's still I've a good. A, it's still a good. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Good transaction. And okay. any. I mean, when you when a car shows up, um, basically they put the VIN in, in this. Um, this uh, screen and the screen shows what warranties the car has. If the car has prepaid maintenance, it all checks out in these boxes. And that's what the Porsche dealership falls for follows for uh, figuring out exactly what is owed to the customer at that point. I noticed when you uh, opened or did the grand opening of the dealership, you had this wicked machine that is right by the garage door as cars come through and it reads the codes and everything off that car. It even measures like the alignment of it. Yeah. Does it actually show up whether or not that car is CPO'd or that what kind of warranty? system isn't integrated into it's a That's a Hunter system, like Hunter alignment machines, but mm-hmm. basically it measures tread depth. Um, it can do some kind of rough alignment uh, estimations. Um, and it also reads uh, the license plate and projects that information uh, onto a screen that um, it's easy to... Basically, that aspect of things is really utilized to make the customer arriving at the dealership more seamless. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. cool. Um, and it's, it's really becoming, I think it's, it might even be required at Porsche dealerships now, but it's pretty much the industry. Have you seen that now. Manny? You know what I'm talking and about? It was the weight of the car. Yeah. It, it, well, it, it like measures and reads it, the car as it comes dri- through the drives door. over these things that get these little, um, these little items that stick out of the Mr. ground. Gwen, this car's a lot heavier than three months ago when you showed up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cool system. Yeah. yeah. You're like going to the doctor. <laughs> All right. So the, the, the next question is, um, let's say the car uh, that you're looking at is not available as a CPO from the dealership, but you still worry and you want to have some sort of coverage. We're talking about third-party aftermarket warranties and what is, um, you know, what, there's so many out there and and people, I don't want to say get scammed, but if you, you typed in aftermarket warranties, you would get tons of yeah, it's, opportunities. But which the ones are worth common it? call, yeah. spam call is where yeah. we like to talk to you about your, your extended warranty. Your, your warranty your has expired. <laughs> so that that's a great question. Um, I can speak to one company, which is a company that I personally sold their warranties. Um, I currently have no vested interest in them. Um, I have my personal car that I drive every day, which is a late model Audi that I really mild up. It has this warranty on the car, um, and I know that if I have a problem, it will be taken care of. Uh, that company is uh, the base company is called JMNA. JMNA. Okay. Uh, um, and the the warranty is called Fidelity. That's what I've heard. Fidelity. Yeah. We've heard of real estate talk about that so a lot. That that is the only. The, that's the only third party warranty that I can speak to. Um, now is that is that what like Porsche of Silver Spring. That is what like Porsche recommends if, you, if they yep. don't have. Okay. Um, and that's because that and that's effectively why I'm familiar with it. But I have seen it stand behind 
numerous issues that cars have had mm -hmm. um, that uh, either my clients who bought a new car, as you were explaining, Damon, they bought a car and let's say it was a, a low mile car that their warranty expired. Um, I had never breached the subject of attempting to buy the car back to them and reselling to them as a certified car. <laughs> we did that a number of times with um, leases because technically the dealership buys the lease and then True. resells the cars back to the customer. So it's not so, a totally crazy thing to do, no, but, but just the... But, but that, that technically, <laughs> when you lease a car, it's owned by Porsche Financial yeah, Services right. so and then it's exactly resold to a consumer. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a crazy idea. I've heard, yeah. I've heard way crazier, uh -huh. like the cat drinking out of the toilet and those sorts of things. <laughs> but... Um, but the the JMA warranty, I have sold it to my, my father has a car. Um, I sold him one of these warranties. I have numerous uh, friends and family members that I've recommended buy these warranties. And like I said, I have one. I'm not a what is it? I'm not uh, I'm not a patient. I'm a doc. What is that line from the the commercial where people say I'm not only a anyway I'm digressing. <laughs> but any I think you understand where I I'm don't going. Play doctor. <laughs> I don't play a doctor. I don't play a doctor on TV. Yeah. 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 There you go. So. Yes, they're, um, I absolutely recommend them. And this particular company, I've seen it save people a lot of money. Mm. And, how, and how does, like, what level of coverage? Is it similar? Uh, the, so they, or they can you offer, buy different levels? They offer three different levels through Fidelity. There's a powertrain warranty, which is effectively internally lubricated parts. Engine transmission. Pretty much. Okay. Um, and then there's a gold warranty that I never really even thought about. Um, because when you get up to the platinum warranty, that's when it covers more of the vehicle's electronics. Mm. Um, so it's effectively an exclusionary warranty, um, but it covers nearly, if not very similar to what a Porsche CPO warranty covers, except for that there is a uh, there's a deductible. Mm -hmm. um, if, if I'm not mistaken, it's either one hundred or two hundred and fifty dollars. That's not too bad. It's not mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, and it's something that, like I said, I have on my personal car. I've the um, I bought it when the car was new, so it's like life insurance. If you buy a warranty, if you buy it when the car is new with low miles, cheaper. It's significantly less expensive. Mm. If I were to buy the warranty on my Audi now, for um, I think I I bought a five year hundred thousand mile warranty, and I'm the eighteenth whenever that is. Um, that'll be three years of me owning that car, and I have four. I think it was like forty eight thousand miles on it. So if I were to buy that warranty now for the next, let's say, two years and 50,000 miles of coverage, it would probably be $15,000. It would be a huge amount of what? money wow. because Whoa. the car is older. Yeah. But when I bought the car at a younger, it might not be that much, but yeah. it's, it's going to be a lot. Yeah. But when I bought the car new, it was, I think it was like four grand. Mm -hmm. And that's going to cover me for the next two years and 50,000 miles. I feel like... Thirty five hundred four grand for an extended warranty for five years is a bargain because these newer cars today, like anything electronic, let alone engine stuff that goes wrong, like I feel like that bill could easily surpass that amount. And I've never had a single issue with my Audi, but um, but if something did occur, um, this I table's would... made of wood, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> does knock, not, knock, knock. does not look like it's well, but anyway, yeah. it's, IKEA wood. Right? IKEA wood. It, it's 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 something that I absolutely recommend, and you know I partook of it um, mm -hmm. because I I saw the what it saved. 
my customers. And they cover all sorts of cars, not just Porsches. Uh, it, there are limits. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, they won't underwrite some very expensive cars. Like I don't think GT3 RSs and 2 RSs yeah. can be warranted using wow. Fidelity. Yeah. Of course, that might have changed. Hmm. You can. Certainly... I thought you were going to say Honda Kia, not the opposite. <laughs> no. So, so there are um, there are limits to the vehicles that they will underwrite. Do you think so? You know, I'll ask the question because I know somebody listening is, were, is thinking about it. And, you know, we talk about 996s and 997s with uh, potential IMS issues. There, there, well, are, will they, a, there well, are age cutoffs. I don't think oh, that's so I don't think they'll go back. That so that's far. age, not model. That's correct. Yeah, okay. it's, it's, uh, this is it's like life age. insurance. Like, yeah. 20 year old VU would be very cheap to insure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 50 year old VU with <laughs> hey, a hey, stitch. Hey, hey. <laughs> there it is. I know. Yeah. Family history now. <laughs> most of the, most, I think for most, Aftermarket warranty companies, you could probably go back eight or ten okay. model years. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, it's kind of your own. I mean, the actuaries probably make that decision, right? Um, I, I there's honestly there's probably just a guideline that says if the car is it can go back ten years, mm. and if it if it's older than ten years, they won't cover it. But I would recommend that you reach out to um, uh, somebody that sells those warranties. The folks at Porsche Silver Spring do. I could certainly, if somebody wanted to reach out to me, I could make a connection there. But um, I no. think there's some, I guess, um, I've seen on rental lists where there's actually people they recommend you can contact to, that will sell like a Fidelity. Um, um, like a broker? Uh, bro- I guess a broker or an agent. Or, hmm. um, but if you search on rental lists, it'll, you'll find people. Because uh, I would imagine like at the dealership, Mag- is it Magnum? Well, that? the Magnum Motors. Magnum right. Motors. Mm-hmm. Um, uh that would be an add-on sale if uh, mm-hmm. someone's buying a car and yeah. So we, I've reached out to JM&A yeah. um, to uh, offer their products, um, but, uh, but would the car have to go through like the you know like there, the doctor has to go and no check one, you? Do, no, do they send I, I somebody? I just have one of those recently, by the way. But no, there there are no uh, inspections <laughs> oh, okay. uh, that are required. Um, if I'm not mistaken, there is a um, there is like when you purchase the warranty, there's a, a certain amount of time that needs to lapse before you can make a claim. Yeah. Might be thirty or sixty days, something like that. I mean, uh, that's so if you blow the motor up and yeah. I, I don't want to get into that. So you know we can get Damon's camera. Here, here's sure here's a exactly. crazy scenario, a crazy scenario, but it's in my head, and I'm going to ask it. So you know how there were all these, you know, crazy storms recently, and there's probably a car or two out there that is maybe four years old but has had water damage, but somehow kind of got back into the system, but it doesn't have warranty. But with that kind of car, could you get a warranty? Cause I now, have no idea. And I don't want to answer that question. It is crazy <laughs> to think though, right? It's cra- about a car that's been, uh, it has a uh, salvage title. Yes, a salvage title car that, that maybe came from a flip. I'm assuming that if the car has some sort of salvage history, I don't know it would be if excluded even, from the possibility. I, and I don't want to say it 100%, but I thought collector car insurance you can't even get with the salvage title. Uh, I hope so. I, I mean, that would make sense. I just didn't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. I would think not. I would hope not. I mean, as, as someone that's, that's that really bought one, system. I would think, yeah, that's totally gaming the system, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I would be worried about is somebody selling a car that ha- says, oh, well, I also have this aftermarket warranty, and it just kind of masks the fact that, hey, it was at one time underwater. <laughs> that one time. <laughs> I was thinking about I thought you were going to go for the more common problem with not just Porsches, but the uh, cars with the drainage, uh, you know, the, uh, oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. drains, the yeah, engine yeah. drains where the water doesn't drain and it comes into the interior and floods right. the interior and totals the car. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, not covered under yeah. CPO. I don't think it's even covered oh, under wow. manufacturer warranty. Okay. Repeat that because that's very important for so people part to of, part of understand. Your, part of a routine maintenance on a vehicle, um, 
part of every yearly service as prescribed by Porsche is cleaning out the drains. Yes. Um, and if the drains are not cleaned and the car gets, um, that's not factory warranty or certified warranty. And you get water into your cabin mm -hmm. at the bottom of your car. And guess what's on the bottom floor of all, your car? All of the expensive things. Yes. But that happens in any car. Um, yeah. Hondas, oh, yeah, Audis. Yeah. yeah. So it's Clearing super important your to have the sunroof drains cleaned. My 968 filled up with water. Um, never mind, it didn't fill up with water. <laughs> but no, it, it, it got a little damp inside because the yeah. sunroof drain actually retracted from the, the, hmm. the drains in the front of the car. But yeah, it's super important that um, you get, uh, I mean, sticking with a factory warranty or a certified warranty, um, not necessarily a third-party warranty, but making sure the car is maintained correctly. The service, Because yeah. if you're not servicing your car and the engine locks up, you know, there is... Um, Porsche or uh, any Honda or Mercedes-Benz or BMW, they have an argument for not uh, honoring your warranty because you didn't follow the pre prescription of what's required to physically own the car. There are a lot of GTIs, Mark 7 GTIs, out, and I'm sure other generations of uh, you know, water in the interior, you know, uh, sunroof yeah, yeah. leaks, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Happens yeah. a lot of and I, I never parked in, you know, I, I park either in a garage or under under nothing at work oh. and at home. So I've never had that issue. But well, It could still clog. It could still yeah. clog, just, I'm yeah. sure. Every, but I, you bought a used car and it's, yeah. and it's clogged already. You're not aware of it well, until yeah. the first major storm where it just can't keep up and draining and the clog, it's just like an arterial clog. Yeah. You know, at one point it just has hey, to hey, don't Let's not talk about <laughs> clogs. <laughs> Damon, so we have, that, we it's have too a close 7, to home. <laughs> we have a Mark 7 GTI and every single time I get the car serviced, I make sure they clean the drains. Yeah, so, yeah, because that's a really bad. So when, my TDI when I had it didn't have a sunroof, so I never had to. That's the move. About that. What, what <laughs> about when you get the car service with yeah. Fidelity? Yeah, that's um, what I was going to ask. Do you pick it? You, you know, you have your favorite shop you always go to. So that's a great. That's Can you a just great take question. it to that, or do you so, have to take it to their shops? So um, I know that with my previous employer, um, if you uh, if you are working with any dealership, we'll we'll leave it at this. Talk with them about the warranties that they offer and get their opinions. Mm. Because if you're going to continually service a car there and they are going to call the claims in and get them handled, it's certainly nicer if they do it rather sure. than you have to make the phone calls yourself. Yep. And I know that with the warranties that we used to sell and um, sell now at that dealership that I'm no longer affiliated with, mm. um, if you have a warranty, uh, they will work with you to get those things covered. So I always recommend if you're going to get the car serviced somewhere, make sure that they jive with the warranty mm -hmm. company that you're considering on procuring. Yeah, that's that's exactly what we we always and be say. Be nice, here take too. them donuts and be yeah. nice to them. Because speaking then, of the donuts you brought today, is that from Woodmore Bakery? Yeah, hundred percent. Oh from Woodmore. man, yeah, oh. they're the best. Thank you for that. But yeah, I, I always say people like if you have an idea of where you're going to take your car, go ask them. Hundred percent. Say what warranty company has worked well with you because if it's a pain in the behind to get paid for that work and the company the the dealership or the independent shop that you go to doesn't want to do that it's like not having a it's warranty similar to like getting an like i another thing that i always recommended people buy because i've seen it save people thousands of dollars including myself is like wheel and tire insurance right yeah so um the it, it makes sense to if you're going to get your car serviced at a dealership um, make sure you say, hey, what wheel and tire insurance do you offer? Um, because if you don't currently have it on your car, it makes sense for them to be able to do it. I do know that Porsche offers their own where you basically take a picture of it. But I know that there are certain dealerships where they kind of gave a little bit of pushback. I mean, when I sold cars in the D.C. region, sometimes if I sold a car to somebody in 
a different area, they would take it to another dealership. And then there would sometimes be some pushback, and I'd have to field phone calls and work out things just to make it easy for people. But if you are going to service your car somewhere and want to protect, purchase these extra products, make sure that the person that you're working with jives with it. And like I said, bring them some donuts and be, be nice. You'd be amazed at working at a dealership. This is the, If I had to tell anybody that listens to this podcast anything, the nicer you are to people, the better return you're going to get in that relationship. Absolutely. If you walk in there and you're, you're angry, it's going to take too long to get a service line or those things. It, it's never going to bode well for you. But if you're just a little kind, that goes so far. Let's, let's back up. And this is something that I really didn't think about until my buddy Gregory, uh, he has a, a Cayenne GTS. And when mm-hmm. he bought his, he bought a uh, CPO, but he also got the wheel and tire package. Sure. That has paid off in spades because he lives in DC and with the big old 21 inch wheels it's and huge. low profile tires. I'm like, I think nowadays, I think sounds like you bought the wrong car. <laughs> uh, but I think, would you agree? Like that's kind of a, a good package to buy. So I am, I'm a huge proponent of prepaid maintenance from mm. Porsche. If you can, if it qualifies on the car that you're buying, I'm a huge proponent of extending the warranty on the car. If you're planning on owning it for that long. The other thing about third-party aftermarket warranties is let's say that you bought the car three years in, you decide you don't want the car anymore. A lot of, for at least for JM&A, that money that's not used of that warranty won't be all of it, but there'll be a portion of it that can be prorated back to you. So that's a great thing oh. as well. Um, so I always recommend that, and the wheel and tire insurance to me is an absolute no-brainer. Is, is it transferable, though? It is. You oh, can, so you you can, can, you, you, and that's an extra selling point yeah, if you say, were to no. sell your sure. car personally. Oh, yeah, I, I'm t- are you asking about Fidelity or are you Fidelity. talking about the wheel and tire? Fidelity. That is transferable. You have to go so through both. their process. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, totally a, to me, the big selling point because, once again, you give them peace of mind. It's a value add. And when you're buying a Porsche... Um, all you got to do is look up what a new engine costs. I don't think some people realize, but wheels and tires, especially, you know, the nicer the car, the nicer the wheel, the nicer the tire, they are so expensive. Well, yeah. t- a tire on the like, back of the 911 <laughs> is, I don't know, 400, 450 yeah, bucks. A, a wheel is upwards of $1,000 mm-hmm. a wheel. And with yeah. cars and that's being a junky wheel, not, cars, not like a GT3 RS, yeah, wheel, brand which is new four one, four or five thousand dollars, like each probably, oh, right? One hundred percent. So with the car systems nowadays so sensitive, let's take let's take uh, uh, the nine eleven where they have staggered sets, right? Staggered mm-hmm. front and rear, but then you also take say a Macan or a Cayenne, which is an all wheel drive system. Mm-hmm. That if you have one tire go bad and you're, the rest of your tires aren't matching. That's an issue, right? Right. So, um, with my experience, um, it, it only if you let's say you're you have a car with thirty thousand miles on it. Um, let's say you the, your rear tires. Most Porsches are. Um, it's not like an Audi where it's like a more of a central all-wheel drive system. Porsche does it in axles. Mm. So um, let's say your rear tires are at let's say four millimeters of tread. There is a variance that you cannot eclipse mm-hmm. from one side to the other. If I'm not mistaken, it's three thirty seconds or three millimeters. Don't quote me on that. But if it's larger than that, it will change the way that the um, that that axle works, mm-hmm. and the wheels will spin at different rates, and that's not allowable. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you get a puncture in one tire, the uh, wheel and tire insurance, at least the ones that I was familiar with, will replace that tire. But it's on you to replace the other one. Oh, it's on you to replace 100%. the other one. Yeah, okay. well, they'll, they'll, they won't replace it just because you had to replace the other tire. You know, it's yeah. funny. Um, there is a uh, – and 
so this is coming out on a Monday, but we're recording on Wednesday. And yesterday we had Mart Fresh, and I picked a car. It was a 2019 718 Gaming GTS. And was um, that black? I think I saw that. One. It was red with red, a black interior, black and um, he said there was a one wheel had a puncture, one of the rear wheels, and I think it was like seventy percent um, tire left on three. You know, the three tires that are older, and then the one that was replaced has like ninety. And I'm thinking to myself, even if that's allowable, knowing in the back of my head that one rear wheel is spinning over the course of, let's say, a commute to work, probably several miles more than the other one. That that variance is allowed. Yeah. Is it? No, they're, 70 they're, and 90? Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, I hate to say, please don't quote me on this. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I'm not. That's a, close I'm not at the very techni- least. I'm not a technician. I'm yeah. not a, um, but to. And with my recollection, that's something that would be allowable. I wonder yeah. if you could really feel it. No, it doesn't I, matter I, I if you can feel it. You know it. Well, I mean, no, feeling it, but it's really the computer system in the car. Will it mess yeah. it up? Right, like the ABS or, um, you know, uh, a lot of it has to do control. with traction control. Traction control yeah, because yeah. one basically traction control monitors wheel speed. Mm-hmm. There's wheel speed sensors. If one is that much different than another. I mean, that's how, let's say, um, like on an Audi or Volkswagen, it measures wheel speed for tire pressure monitoring. Mm-hmm. Porsches use actual monitors in yeah. the tires, but a lot of other vehicles just measure wheel speed, and that's how it's able to tell if you have a puncture because one wheel is moving faster than another. Yeah. No, I, uh, I'm one of those people where, um, you know, even if it was 70, 90, it would just bug me. I would need to get two new tires, you know. I, I would uh, think that warranty, though, uh, wheel and tire, really has to come in for the wheel. Yeah, the wheel. Uh, I'm for thinking sure. of uh, like you're curbing it, or mm-hmm. you hit a pothole and you bend the wheel beyond repair, because uh, these Porsche wheels are not cheap. Mm. I've, I've seen it save people a ton of money. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I mm-hmm. I traditionally recommend wheel and tire insurance before I would recommend an extended warranty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost like totally AAA, understand. like one tow and you paid off your AAA. Yep. Uh, same thing I've with wheel and tire. A lot of those this year. Yeah, you know, one one time and you're uh, you're headed to game. So thanks for sharing about Fidelity. I know that's one you're familiar with, but uh, for our listeners, if you've had a positive experience with an aftermarket warranty, let us know uh, in the comments below. Or if you ever bought the warranty from the spam people that call up. <laughs> I personally like messing with them, and I'll and sometimes uh, I'll answer the phone, and uh, I'll throw them for a loop, and I'll say, I have a 1964 Volkswagen Beetle. Can you give me a price on the aftermarket, on the insurance? And it the operators are like, they pause, and they're like, uh, um, what year was that? And I go 1964, and they're like, uh, let, "Let me ask my manager." <laughs> but here's here's the sad part: is it's a, it's a numbers game, right? Like they're they're calling probably millions of people, and let's take your parents for example, who may not know. Like they are genuinely concerned when someone calls them about the warranty on their car, and they go, "Well, you know, maybe I should get a quote, and maybe I should buy." And like my my grandparents or my mom and my dad, like man, that's just so slimy. Like I feel. I wish we could do something to protect people from scams like that. Just don't pick up the phone. I told I, I told my mom that I'm like, just tell dad not to answer the phone <laughs> if he doesn't recognize the number. And her response is, he can't see anything without his glasses, and he, so he, he doesn't put his glasses on, so he just answers the phone. Wow. I'm like, oh, at that point, I can't help you. Uh, yeah. Hey, Damon, let's get into um, your recent Boxster video. Uh, yeah, Boxster 25 uh, or 25 years edition. So that was a. Uh, one mile review, and uh, just to give people a little heads up, we won't be doing quite as many one mile reviews. We'll still be doing reviews, but this is one of the last traditional one mile reviews 
that you all have been watching for the past several years, um, and we just won't be doing it quite as often, and uh, ex- except where it makes sense. Yeah. And the Boster 25, well, it must have made sense because I think it has more than 10,000 views, which is a lot better than um, a lot of our other one-mile reviews that, that we've uh, done lately. So um, I guess our viewers love boxers. So this is basically celebrating 25 years of the Porsche Boxster, which 1997 model year was the first one we saw here in the U.S. And um, so the Boxster 25 is just a GTS 4.0, but it has neodyme colored uh bespoke unique wheels um the launch car came in gt silver metallic so it looks a little bit more like the the boxer concept um from way back in 1993 i think the detroit auto show so basically it's a a gts 4.0 with naturally aspirated flat six that pays homage to the original boxer concept i was so surprised to see how controversial the wheels were yeah, well, find, they look I, like tuner wheels I to someone wheels, who doesn't know any better. I find better. the wheels gorgeous. Yeah. I, I, I think they look that, great. I love what that color. color. Um, They're neodyme. Neodyme, so a goldish color. Gold. So what saw, do you see it as? You see it as brown uh, or gray? Yeah, brown. Brown? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I sold those new. They're great cars. We've yeah. Got, yeah. yeah, we've got one for sale as well, a black one. Um, but they're they're awesome cars in the... Uh, the original car had speed lines on it, if I'm not mistaken. Multi-piece speed mm, lines with right, uh, the concept with, car, with the concept uh, car, gold yeah. centers. Uh-huh. No, it, I love that wheel too. <laughs> I, that's a, that to me is a car yeah. I could own for forever and be yeah. entirely happy. Yeah, but yeah. Th- those wheels, I mean, I love them. They have a they have an aftermarket like motorsport look to them. I compared. have I have a love for you know the the basic five spoke, mm-hmm. and then I have a love for that gold color. Yeah, um, it works. The yeah. whole car is great. It kind of looks like a five spoke T37. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I think that, that that's the wheel I'm probably thinking of. The, e- the six spoke uh, TE thirty seven. The, the yeah, Volk, so. yeah, Volk wheels, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, but a very cool car. Um, you know, if you're looking to get, if you're looking at buying something that drives really well, you're going to find the exact same thing almost uh, in a GTS four point I think the one thing that I didn't mention was that the twenty five years edition has a um, short throw shifter. I believe that the GTS 4.0 doesn't get. But I think you're right. Otherwise, it's a it's same a killer. Car. It's a killer car. Like I, many, said, yeah. I could own one for forever. How many of those were made? Roughly one thousand two hundred and fifty. Uh, yeah, one thousand two hundred and fifty. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So 1, very cool car. What, what, what's the significance of yeah, that's yeah? Why did you have to go and ask me? That? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I you would know the answer. I don't no, know. We're no, in no, the no, kitty no, pond. Don't I'm go deep. Who could I bring up one thing? Sure. Um, I meant to bring this up earlier. Um. Uh, the car that we did for a classic restoration project, um, thankfully, uh, is actually at a new home currently. It's, oh, uh, um, Robert you didn't D. take you didn't take it home? No. So it, <laughs> it was um, it was at uh, um, my colleague uh, and business partner Harley procured the vehicle and then allowed me to represent the car at Porsche Cars North America. So it's actually in the historic gallery uh, for the next six months. Oh, nice! Um, you'll see it here in a second. Um, they're doing oh, stories on. Uh, not only um, cars themselves, but they're more focusing on the human aspect of things. Sarah and Zach down there have been really great to work with. And they've actually, oh, congrats. not only is the car down there, but they did a story about me. Um, mm. And I'm not the kind of guy that likes to pat myself on the back, but um, it was tremendous validation. And I'm super appreciative of them. And if you guys are in the area, I'd absolutely recommend going to check it out. Very cool. Yeah, congrats. All right. What else did we drop recently? Oh, the Tech Tactics Live car appraisals. 
Yeah, it was uh, pretty popular. Um, I learned a lot. Yeah, I think everybody <laughs> did it. Uh, but uh, surprisingly, like you point out, and I forgot to ask Robert, but I don't. There was absolutely no comments on the uh, video. I know. Uh, I know. Uh, we have a ton of uh, you know the live chat. We had a lot of. Uh, um, Are there no there, comments on the video? But there's no comments on yeah. the, it. Uh, it has a lot of views on it. Yeah, yeah. but people are just, a lot, a lot of are likes, just learning. No, uh, no, no, usually there's always a, at least a snarky comment. Yeah. Uh, usually about the host, but not... not hey, uh, hey, 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 <laughs> hey. Um, but yeah, it was uh, something that uh, people know. They know the term car appraising, but uh, I don't think people really understand what goes into it, how to get one. And uh, Doug Eamon did a great job of breaking it down in a presentation about everything, uh, including the diminished value that a car appraiser can help you out with and how to do it yourself. That was nice, too. It wasn't Doug trying to sell. Uh, obviously, he has enough business to keep himself busy, um, but it was uh, how you could you yourself can do a uh, car appraisal and what tools you can use. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of those episodes that will be uh, you know, a solid evergreen piece. Yeah, that's what I wanted it done. Like I told Doug, I said, we get a lot of calls into the national office, and I'd love to be able to have a video I can point them to to have them better understand what a car appraisal is. All right, let's get into the news. All right, it's okay. We are at an hour mark, but I think we're going to go a little bit longer just to cover the rest of this. Is that well, all right with you guys? Past two videos, you go on 90 minutes. So. I know. And it's it's been all right. So, all right, let's get into the news. Uh, first item up here, we're talking about Porsche sales. So these are sales. Uh, they went up everywhere except, we've talked about this before, in China. Like Casey and I were mentioning uh, China, the uh, volume fell, and obviously China, um, I guess they're still their number one market. I don't think it says in this article where they're still number one, being North America being number two. Um, but China, yeah, their, their, their economy is uh, taking a hit, and it shows with uh, Porsche sales. In that article, it said North America moved up to number one, right? Does it say that? Yeah, yeah North does. America yeah. was the largest Back to number market. One. Okay. Back to number one. That's yeah. good, I guess. Um but oh, yeah. China's a lot, lot, a lot of their four doors, which is I think their bread and butter as far as profit margins go and volume. Um, I remember hearing back in the summer how a lot of the cars were, the allocations were being directed back to North America. They were, yeah. So um, and they are still, um, but still people complain that they can't get certain cars. Uh, but that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, Taycan sales were up. Yeah. Um, they uh, listed. Uh, um, Basically, uh, um, just the uh, Cayenne is what what fell in uh, in, in China. It's um, yeah, it's uh, I'm sure not a good thing for Porsche because that's, uh, that's yeah. something they bet a lot on. Usually, uh, the four doors are, are they always debut in Asia, mm -hmm. uh, be China or, or Japan, um, at somewhere in Asia because they sell uh, I think uh, better than uh, the sports cars do there. So was that um, or. If you put your dealership hat back on, um, extra inventory, but really only on the four door side, does yeah. that help a dealer or does it not help? It's a it's it was on two doors too. It was on two doors too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's all production capacity. Basically, uh -huh. they just reallocate things to different areas. So um, I'm so guessing that does help from it, a dealer it, side. It definitely helps. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the at least there's a little bit of things slowed down towards the, my departure because of rising interest rates and such, but. Mm -hmm. There was still a strong demand for uh, any model of Porsche, mm. but I do believe that it's going to be easier to get two-door cars kind of moving forward. Good. All right, next uh, news item we have Penske in the headlines. Let's see here. What was the Penske article? 
So they got a BMW MT oh, yes, RLLs yes, yeah. technical director. So yes. they created a position. So uh, they're not yeah. he's not replacing somebody. This is a new position. Another engineering uh, position within Penske. So this is going to bode well for the 963 program. Uh, it's going to be very exciting because as we speak, um, I believe uh, qualifying is this weekend. So if you're listening to this, we should know the starting grid for Daytona. Do I have my dates right yet? Let me look at my calendar here. Um, yeah, it's yeah. hard to believe. Well, we're, we're in ice and snow. Uh, yeah, so it would be, uh, I think, qualifies. And by next, by the time you listen to this, we should know the starting grid, uh, for the 24 hours Daytona. And that race alone is going to be very, uh, very exciting. So I, uh, won't be there, but I will be watching on Peacock. Is that the end of the month this month? Yeah, exactly. I will yeah. not be. Looks like, uh, it. all the teams are upping their engineering and staff levels. Uh, for season number two, got to of... get that extra, uh, you know, that unfair advantage uh, to uh, to be able to win. Because um, yep. Lord knows, if you ever been to a twenty four hours or watched it, reliability is uh, almost standard now. It's not like the old days where half the field was broken down by uh, dinner time. Now uh, everyone is still running and uh, running at full throttle. It's like a twenty four hour sprint race, so that's uh, going to be interesting. I would love to go some year. Never now, been to twenty four. Now we used yeah. to sponsor Ted. Ted, uh-huh, when he ran yep. GT3Rs, and it's my birthday is always that same weekend. Mm. So I always kind of had other things planned, and they're not running this year, unfortunately. They're running the sprint races. but I uh, tell people uh, it's Florida, but it isn't warm. It's no, cold, it's and uh, dress dress for uh, up to 32 degrees uh, at night. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I took this for granted, but I figured people knew. But I saw some questions where they were like, do I have to stay at the track all 24 hours? Or no, what do you do when yes. you're at the track for 24 no, hours? No, and I was like, uh, <laughs> you don't have to stay there. Uh, you know, you come have dinner, come back, watch a couple hours, and then go back to the hotel. Um, it's a very uh, wide open uh, track, a very large track. So you can walk to different um, parts of it. Uh, the infield very lively on Saturday night. Um, there's a, uh, use the grandstands. If uh, you have general mission, you can get into most any grandstand. Except when I think pit row on uh, behind the pits or uh, VIP, uh, but you can go up in the tower on the outside part and there's a Porsche Corral that uh, PCA uh, Porsche Corral and... sold out. That's, yep. That sells out. Uh, that's like uh, playoff tickets for football. But if you want to visit, not park, just you know have your just Porsche key, your car key. membership card exactly. Yep. And uh, it's an uh, enclosed tent. It has a closed circuit TV. Uh, sometimes they have snacks and drinks. I don't guarantee that because it's free, so it goes pretty fast. But you can be hanging out with two, three hundred of your uh, favorite uh, PCA uh, friends, and uh, they have a great spot right on the infield. I always say it's uh, beachfront property because yep. it has a grandstand, and uh, they park two hundred Porsches. You and if you have a ticket for that, don't bring anything but a Porsche. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if you're president of PCA, they're not going to let you in unless nope. you're in a Porsche. Nope, nope, nope. So before that event on January 25th, it ties in with your next news item, which has to do with the Macan EV. Yeah, we're all excited about that. That's going to have a live reveal. Um, so it's January 25th at 12 p.m., I want to say. Uh, who, whose time zone? Uh, that's Central European time. Oh, so that would be what, like, five or six a.m. Yeah, oh. on the twenty fifth for for us in on Eastern Time U.S. So, so the fun go- news is uh, they got three hundred mile uh, range when it was tested. Um, so that's pretty big news. Yeah, 
Um, that's that, plenty. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's going to say, "Oh, I need more than that." No, you don't. Uh, no, 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 you the don't. Majority of people in a day are not going to use their three hundred miles. But here's the thing, though, in the news, because we are dealing with our five inches of snow here, did you guys see all the news of all the Teslas like getting stuck, not being able mm-hmm. to charge? Oh. So I'm, I, I'm sure that when you see things like that, you're, you're seeing more Teslas because everybody, I think, maybe not everybody, but the it's just so are, easy I, to pick on Tesla. Oh, yeah. yeah. What they're not showing is the regular and, internal combustion engine cars that use a battery. They can't get started because yeah. the battery is five years old and people are just discovering yeah. that maybe they should have replaced the battery Especially or fuel in the line that freezes because they have some water in it. You know, it's, um, yeah. like you said, it's, it makes for a quick headline, mm-hmm. a quick yeah. picture. Um, that and a people fun laugh love. if it's not you, but yeah. <laughs> and yes, the batteries do lose, uh, uh, uh range or capacity, right. uh, in the cold because they're batteries, but yeah. you know, it's. Something we'll have to deal with. So as much, as much as Porsche is investing on the EV side, uh, our next headline has to do with another alternative fuel, hydrogen. I, well, just that uh, little article that uh, came out about uh, reminding you that Porsche is still looking at hydrogen as an alternative fuel with their cars. Uh, and, and Porsche is, I, I think, uh, to be commended that they're, you know, they got their fingers in every pot. They're, uh, they're just, uh, I guess hedging their bets that um, whatever comes out as the preferred alternative fuel to uh, to gas, uh, they'll be on top of. So they're still uh, they have Volkswagen has said that they're not going to make uh, hydrogen uh, powered vehicles, but Porsche still has. They are an engineering company, so they're still investigating um, mm-hmm. hydrogen. Over the weekend, we got a little text from uh, our director of marketing, who also follows uh, Porsche and uh, Formula E. So congratulations is in order. You guys didn't watch the race. I mean, no, I watched the Casey. Clip that you watched. I watched the clip that the- <laughs> Casey. Don't put me. Casey's like, don't put me on this. Don't put me on this. Come on, everyone watches Formula E. It's so exciting. It's, it is exciting, but I, I, I just yeah, that's not yeah, what I was Formula doing E. You're watching the snow come down. Let's see. No, it was uh, it was a good start for Porsche. It was in Mexico, and uh, they um, they won. Yeah, they won I, overall, they and. Uh, um, I don't, you know, when this headlight came out, they said it was under review, um, for a technical, I believe, uh, um, issue, but I haven't seen anything more that they, um, withdrew, uh, took away to win. So, um, Pascal Werlein cool. is the uh, driver who won. So, yeah, that's always good. Hopefully that sticks. Yeah. Uh, Porsche has been, uh, doing Formula E for quite a few years now. And, uh, it's all on basically street circuits. And maybe that's why. Their uh, viewership isn't as high as sports cars. It isn't necessarily because the sound. It's because everything's in a closed uh, uh, type of a small street circuit. So, Have you oh. seen one of the cars? They're really big. There was one at the museum when I was there over the summer. It's a really big car. You've seen yeah. it at the L.A. Auto Show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have much context. It looked like, you know... Not huge, but not small. The like Formula One cars a, have become very large too. Yeah, it was yeah. sitting next to a Mission R, I think. Wait, no, Mission. What's the the Cayman one? Mission R. Yeah, Mission R was, yeah, it was sitting next. Performance. So it was sitting. There was the, there was a, there was the, Formula E car, mm-hmm. then the electric Cayman, and then the Mission, uh, the new prototype yeah. car was sitting next to it. Yeah, Mission and R. It was yeah. just it was just really big. Mm. Yeah, lots of air. They had one at the. Uh, remember, they had it at the um, uh, 
Experience Center in L.A. Yeah, I don't remember it being that big, though. Well, I don't know. You'd, You'd probably have to see it next to another probably, car. I was also really jet-lagged that day, so yeah. I could yeah. be it's, completely it's, wrong. Uh, I would like to see it next to an F1 car, because F1 cars have gotten really long compared yeah. to what they were 15 years ago. Um, so that would be interesting to compare Formula E to a... Uh, so I know, I know sometimes we kind of poke fun at Formula E, and this ties back to a question that someone commented uh, on the last podcast is, you know, the future of the car car scene and electric cars and can it be fun because uh, I think the person said some they're just golf carts and I and I have to think back I'm like there's so much that you can still do with an electric car like yes it won't have the sound but I mean you look and I see the cars so watch go golf cart racing <laughs> yeah, yeah they really had a golf cart series because you know that would be they almost get, they got lawn, lawnmower racing they would be so hand-to-hand yeah. combat yeah. that would be awesome to see like a I, golf I, cart know, racing the, um, the Tesla that's running Pikes Peak with all the aero, uh, you know, there's still so much that you can do to the car. Yeah. Seeing the Cayman uh, run and hearing all the gears, it's different. Absolutely, it's yeah. different. But I think an enthusiast can still tweak an electric car and do some fun stuff with it. And oh, by the way, they're going to have tons of torque to do it with and have super reliability. So I think there's still fun to be had. Even with an electric powertrain. If you can go find an indoor karting place, you know, that still runs gas carts, go drive those and then go find a karting place that runs electric carts and, and ask yourself which one was more fun. So I'm oh, going to probably say. Uh, I, don't, I don't think, I, uh, for me, there's no difference. It's just it's just racing. It's um, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. yeah, I worked at a go karting place for two years, indoor gas carts, and I, I refuse to drive electric carts. And I drove electric carts. It's not, there's almost no difference. I mean, your head yeah, is so into the racing yeah. part yeah. that you don't even think about the sound. You're just yeah. thinking about how to get the front. Guess of the what? Guy it was still fun. Yeah. The, so, key, oh, yeah. the key thing is you're comparing apples to apples because yeah. I think the gas carts that are being ran today they're usually like fast carts at least the one at the bwi karting place right they're oh those are the carts. fast versions those yeah. are the fast versions yeah. so if you're comparing that to if you're an talking electric, like k1 versus a gas six and a half horsepower nine horsepower yeah. there's really not a lot of difference they, they really frown yeah. at you hitting another cart at the bwi place yes the indoor yeah. place they seem to tolerate it to no they point. don't they, oh remember, they just, the, remember the guy that pushed you, you into the pole uh yeah under <laughs> the barrier not into the pole push me into yeah that's not cool yeah, not cool <laughs> yeah. i'm excited about the mid-engine cars or yeah. whatever they're called and the moving forward yeah same i think going out in a beautiful winding road putting the top back on the electric boxster and yeah. just enjoying nature is pretty cool my wife and i had a project that we finished up this past year but we had a 1967 Vespa and I'm not a two-stroke guy at all mm. never been don't like the smell of two-stroke but we there's a company in England and I procured a, a kit oh yeah I we, forgot about that project we, we converted the, the the Vespa to be electric nice. and I can just whiz around the neighborhood and it's dead silent I put car horns on it so you can certainly be known if you're around but yeah the the being in nature cruising around in silence and just kind of enjoying the aspects around you without a lot of, uh, you know, kind of atmospheric, uh, you know, atmospheric noise. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So I, I am excited for the, uh, the Boxster Cayman variants. So I'm thinking of the, uh, you know, um, your favorite tw- twisty road and then, you know, the police officer's favorite pullout and how many miles of advance notice do they have in a, a loud Porsche for sure. yeah. on a back road versus an electric car where, They'll probably be caught sleeping, you know, if 
you pass. Not, not, not saying you should drive over the speed limit, but if you are over the speed <laughs> limit, they're the not po- going to hear you don't coming. Don't wake the police officer up. <laughs> yeah. Don't wake the police officer up. Exactly. So, Casey, I'm going to ask you to put on that dealer hat again. Um, there's going to be a time when the same ICE version, E version of a Boxster, Macans, they're going to be sold side by side. How do you think the customers are going to react to that? Um, I think a lot of reluctance towards people moving towards uh, electric cars currently is specifically for infrastructure. Mm. Um, I don't think it really has a whole lot to do with brands. I do believe that um, it'll put down insane numbers. It'll be one of the best driving experiences ever. But until um, the infrastructure improves, I think there's going to be reluctance towards moving to that because that's really... I listen to Smoking Tire podcasts a lot, and they talk there about how people aren't necessarily worried about range. They're worried about infrastructure and the ability to charge. And until they can make people calm with that, I think that people are going to be uh, more skewed towards internal combustion engine cars until it gets um, more thought out. And and your specific usage, right? Like if you know you're always going to park at home at night, it's not a big deal because you can just plug it in at home. Yeah. But if you're going long distances where you may have to plug in somewhere, then it's a kind of different scenario and, and to, be, to be honest right now it's still if you were if you wait economics the gas car is going to be cheaper yeah i know yeah. electric you tilt to the point where it's not but you get a honda which can get very good gas mileage a yeah. civic and you uh, do the cost analysis it takes quite a few years for electric car to catch yeah. up and so when that starts coming down right and like you said the infrastructure it's it's we're, it's going to happen we're just still in the beginning of, of this uh, transition and I love seeing old articles from when the car first came out and people are saying it wasn't going to be anything serious because mm-hmm. here's why the horse is so much more reliable and of course now we chuckle at that <laughs> uh, but back then it was uh, you know somewhat of a sell you know the, the argument you hear also is that back then it was more organic the government wasn't forcing it but I don't want to be a, sound like a government guy, but man, if the government hadn't forced a lot of things like mm-hmm. seatbelts, mm-hmm. airbags, yeah. stuff like that, uh, Agreed. we'd be in a whole different type of I remember car when they, driving. when they made seatbelts mandatory and there were so oh. many people like, Oh, I'm not going to wear it. I'm not. I hate to say my parents, I remember yeah. back in the early seventies, I think my father might have cut off the seatbelts. Oh. And yeah. Oh yeah. Because back then everything that they would tell you was, um, it's better to be thrown from the car than to be in the car. And and if you ever see the old cars yeah. wreck, that's the other thing. They don't make cars like they used to. There were heavy duty tanks. They were. If you see any yeah. crash um, statistics about old cars, they're horrendous. Steering yeah. columns were spears into your chest. Yeah, I remember my nine fourteen. People said when I first got my my first one, I was I guess twenty years old. They said, "Oh, you're gonna die in that car. It's a little coffin." And I got broadside at one time at sixty miles an hour. And I would have driven the car home for the fact uh, that he bent my uh, steering knuckle and I couldn't oh. drive it. But the car, his car was demolished. The 914, oh. he had me square on the uh, front fender. Point being, I didn't die. Yeah. The car withstood the uh, the accident. Um, so it's not necessarily uh, uh, what people perceive. Well, that makes me feel better because I'm about to rebuild the engine in my 914 and there hopefully you. drive it more. It's just a, my gotta, reluctance was oh gosh, not I feel to it coming. Over. You got to drive it like a motorcycle. You got to yeah. make sure everyone sees you all the time in their mirrors because yeah. they don't see you. Yeah, yeah, I've owned it since I think 2009, and unfortunately, it the uh, it runs on about one and a quarter cylinders. But we really, really miss it. It's yeah. my my favorite Porsche. 
Very cool. So this next news item actually was kind of timely because uh, our local DJ on DC 101, Elliot Siegel, brought it up in his show today. And it has to do with the Carrera GT and the stop use order. So I don't think this is news. I think this is old news brought back. That being brought back from so the dead. It first dead. came out about a week before. Rensport? Report Rensport. Yes. Yeah, because I remember a Porsche... Uh, emailing us or call one of our calls they said can you tell us how many career gts are registered for prelapse and i said i, I don't think we have any because you guys have your own vip prelapse mm-hmm. and they said well if you have any you can't let them run <laughs> oh you know what yeah. that i didn't see any that's really well actually yeah. i saw some parked in the parking lot but i didn't see any. and we saw we, that's interesting we saw career gts being driven around on the track so we were like well that's not oh. our problem mm-hmm. that's uh whoever's a parade lap but they were like they cannot be driven they can be displayed but they can't be driven and that was back at ren sports of september and this is still going on and, because and i don't think and, there's been a solution yet no and the article from so i guess the news is that the solution might come in quarter three 2024 whoa so so that's the news our uh poor poor career gt owners can't, can't drive their cars for <laughs> that's why year. i told ellie i said ellie i was like um, people that own Carrera GTs, I'm pretty sure they have other cars. I, to say, drive. I hope they have a second car. They have other cars to drive while they figure this out. Pieces yeah. anyway. Yeah. I taught somebody how to drive clutch in one of those about two years ago. It was pretty fun. You they taught them how to drive a manual, or no, they taught no, to drive that how manual. To drive that that manual. manual. I was say, yeah. <laughs> that's got to be the most expensive. Yeah, and if people ever. don't know, yeah. it is a not a it's easy car the, to drive. That's it's one of the coolest cars ever. I mean, just the whole story of that car, which probably many of the listeners here know about, but. Mm-hmm. But no, it's not easy to drive at all. All right. Uh, speaking of driving, if uh, your cars are tucked away because of the winter and uh, you want to check out PCASimRacing.com and get your fix there, I encourage you to do so. We've got some events coming up. We've got Tech Tactics East in Easton, Pennsylvania, February 24th and 25th. Registration is now open, so sign up. Uh, I think most of us around the table here will be there, so looking forward to seeing everyone. Two one-day events. You don't have to do both. You can choose. Pick one. Pick Saturday one. or Sunday, and we have the uh, the schedule of uh, presentations on, on uh, the registration site. It's a pretty cool event to do in the middle of February when it's cold and no one's doing anything with their Porsches, at least in the Northeast. That's in Easton? Easton, right in the yeah, training center. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, I can't believe we are in full swing in terms of preparations for Works Reunion Amelia Island. That event is March 1st. Registration is open. Um, having your car judged in that event, we actually are sold out, but we still have plenty of parking in the corral area. So do we have sure the vendor that. spots still available? We have a few. Yep, we certainly have vendor spots. Because we don't available. sell one, we have to put Paul Gentili in one of the booths so we can have a meet and greet <laughs> with Paul. And if you're willing to sell your Boxer Spider or Cayman R and it meets his requirements, got to oh be Oh, my manual. gosh. Paul is going to love we'll, this. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, remember, like, in was it in Peanuts where you had the little table? Yeah. Lucy. I, I was thinking the uh, yeah, psychi- uh, psychiatric help. Yes, exactly. Yeah. We'll have a little table for Paul. <laughs> uh, Truffin Wine Country, uh, another sold-out event. It's sold five out. Minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. We so, watched here on the uh, – on the computer, we could see uh, as people were registering, and uh, 
Wow, it went through very, very quickly. And not, we, not unexpected, though. Yeah, yeah. we knew. Not I mean, unexpected. Wine Country, the Treffen program, we knew it was going to yep. sell out. Those that got into it, congratulations. Those that did not, don't hate us. I mean, it's an event where we want to kind of make sure that everyone has an awesome experience. And we can't just simply increase the numbers for the sake of getting more people yeah, in. A, a lot of these drives yeah. that other groups uh, organize are even smaller than Treffen. It's, it's because you just can't have a parade like, uh, you can't have 2,000 people at one of these events. It would just be miserable for the attendees. Uh, Porsche Parade, Birmingham. We're also in the mix of planning for that. That event is June 9th through 15th. Uh, phase one registration where you get started with uh, registering for the Birmingham experience. That's January 31st. Phase two is April 4th. And phase uh, one is uh, strictly hotel. Yep. So you're just going to give them your information and and they'll give you a hotel number or rather a code number that you can register for the hotel. Don't try to call the hotel up and get a room. Uh, they've been doing this for a long time and they're very aware, we aware have of people trying to sneak yeah. in. Yep. Um, but there's two hotels you can choose from. And then you have, a, 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 what, a month or two months to choose what events, what you're going to do. That's a much more comprehensive part of the registration. But if you're a first-time parade goer, uh, just think about this. Uh, one first one is just getting your hotel room and registering for parade. Yeah, I was going to say registering for for the event, but not choosing activities. Not yep. yet. Yeah, activities not are for yet. phase two. And I, and I will a little PCA insider for you. When we have Porsche parades on the East Coast, it makes it a little bit easier for special guests from Germany to come over and join us for Porsche Parade. Now you can't say that without giving us who's coming. Well, let's just say we've got some notable VIPs uh, expected to be joining us. Things so can change, but right our now... Our Vice President Ron Gordon coming? <laughs> yes. Our President Aaron is yes, coming? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm talking about PAG uh -huh. and uh, Porsche family, so... Uh, be there, be there, be there, be there. Uh, latest update for Treffen at Sea. We are heading to Alaska uh, this year, July 28th through August 4th. We are now up to 680 PCA members coming. And we are, I saw, we had a meeting earlier this week and start building the agenda. Obviously, if you go and take a look at what the Majestic does in Alaska, we'll be doing the normal things. Uh, at the ports and such, but we are building the PCA-specific agenda, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So hopefully some of you that are, have not cruised or have wanted to you know, head to Alaska, it is a, certainly a bucket list item. Do you think you'll see a polar bear? Do they hang around right there? Uh, you will see. Will they pay someone to get in a polar bear outfit? Um, you know what? <laughs> if that's what I got to do to see a polar bear, you then I've hand. heard polar bears. You, you don't, you don't do not want to be around a polar bear. I'm not bear. saying walk like up and pet them just uh, from afar. But I did tell you that they're bringing the, uh, the, the, the puppies that they use to pull the sleds. Oh. They're bringing those puppies as part of um, training them being around people. They bring them onto the ship, and then you can play yeah, with Yeah, but I can see the Subaru booth at LA Auto Show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to see something that could kill me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which, which could be a pastry, but... Uh... Let's see. Uh, man, we've made this one a long one, but uh, hopefully everyone's enjoying it. Before we sign off, I want to point over to the PCA web store. We talked about the Insider bottle and mug, but we also have a PCA podcast Insider tea. So uh, take a look at that, and if you'd like to order it, just do so online. It'll drop ship right to your front door. And we get no uh, no money from these. Nope, uh, nope just for our swag, fans. But you can uh, help the club as a whole. Represent. Anything else before we sign off, gentlemen? 
All good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for listening. If you aren't currently a PCA member and own a Porsche, grab that VIN. Head over to PCA.org. We'll set you up with membership. Um, if you're looking for that special Porsche for your driveway or garage, we have the test drive program. Again, PCA.org. Remember to follow our podcast Instagram page, behind the scenes photos and videos, Porsche Club Insider, all one word. Be sure to leave us a message or drop an email at podcast at PCA.org. If you'd like to get a PCA Insider decal, podcast at PCA.org. We will send a couple out to you so you can show your support of the show. And with that, I want to say until next time, stay safe and we'll catch you down the road.